for today's session, we have uh, with us uh, Jerry Cuomo, who is an IBM uh, Fellow and Vice President of Blockchain Technologies. Um, thank you for joining us, uh, Jerry. Hey, Gennaro, thank you for having me. Yeah, and I, li and I, I like your name. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's uh, it's even more a pleasure to have you because uh, you know you you have my same name. It's the first time in in my life I found uh, you know someone in the in the US. Uh, of course, you're you're, you're Alfidanin, so I guess uh, yeah. that that explains everything. And you've been with IBM since uh, 1987, and um, first of course as an engineer, and then uh, you had uh, an, an extraordinary career. And in 2015, actually, you, um, you um, became uh, vice president of uh, blockchain uh, technologies. And of course, you're, you're also co-author of a, a great book, which is called Blockchain for Business, which, of course, I uh, suggest everyone reading with trying to understand what kind of uh, you know, business model and also what kind of value proposition a blockchain enterprise can, is bringing right now to the, to the marketplace. So what drove you to focus on blockchain uh, back in 2015? Uh, Gennaro, I, I've had a uh, pleasure of working on um, transaction processing in my career at IBM. And uh, I would say we are now with blockchain in the third, um, third generation of transaction processing, generation one. Um, in fact, IBM was vibrantly involved in, 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 in generation one, which was the, the era of the mainframe transaction. And in fact, that era is still running as we speak, you know, with systems like Sabre running, you know, many of the airline and hotel reservations. And then Generation 2, and this is where I got involved with Generation 2, which is web-based transaction uh, processing. So we helped the likes of eBay, you know, create their web-based auctioning system. Many people said that you wouldn't be able to really do a credit card transaction over the internet, but... Look, you know, people laugh today. Of course you can. Um, so, you know, all banks and insurance companies and governments and everything in between have web-based, uh, now mobile-based uh, means to transact. But I was wondering, Gennaro, what got me involved in 2015 is, what was the next generation? What Was there even going to be another generation in transaction processing? Or would AI and IoT and cloud make those, um, you know, make those go away? And you know, earlier, maybe in 2013, 2014, I saw Bitcoin. But something happened in 2014, I saw Ethereum. And, and really what impressed me about Ethereum was smart contracts. And that's where I thought the value of blockchain could be applied to any industry. And you know, the, the very you know, elegant thing about blockchain. It's about, it's as basic as the, the, the notion of teamwork, meaning a group working together um, is more likely to pr provide or produce a better outcome than any single member of that group working by themselves. It's pretty logical. And that's kind of at the center of blockchain. It's this decentralization that brings trust to data. So in 2015, Again, seeing uh, Ethereum with smart contracts, we got this view that blockchain could be applied to any industry. And that set off the journey for which, what has now become IBM Blockchain and you know, powered by a very uh, compelling open source project called Hyperledger and Hyperledger Fabric, 
which is, I'd say, the blockchain technology that was made from the ground up for business. So in 2015, it was a twinkle in my eye that this, you know, was possible. And, you know, I'm really glad here, you know, a few years later, seeing uh, the fruits of that starting to pay off. Very, very interesting. And, uh, you know, most people know, of course, uh, blockchain through uh, cryptocurrencies, and that's fine. But, and, you know, when there was a sort of, a sort of boom of, of uh, the cryptocurrency uh, um, industry, if we can call it so, um, actually, um, you know, many people, comprise, I was one of them as well, uh, thought that blockchain could be applied to, to anything. And probably this is uh, true in the in long run. But then I think right now, what, what is strong in the blockchain, it's really the enterprise blockchain. Can you tell us a bit more about that? What kind of uh, use cases uh, do you see right now, which are very strong? And, uh, you know, how uh, long do you expect to see, for instance, the blockchain to evolve more also toward uh, use cases which are more uh, on, on the consumer uh, space. Yeah, yeah, sure, Gennaro. Um, so enterprise blockchain um, has many uh, common characteristics of blockchain, you know, non-enterprise. I'm not sure what you would call the, uh, the opposite of enterprise blockchain. But let, let's just say there are some um, base qualities to blockchain. And there are some enrichments that make blockchain more enterprise savvy, right? So the base require the base characteristics of blockchain that apply to any type of blockchain, um, you will see um, shared ledger that is not managed by a single administrator. It's managed by a group through a process of consensus, and that when transactions transactions are consented on, they are um, um, appended to a shared ledger in a way that is cryptographically secured with the prior block, you know, thereby making a chain that is uh, resistant to tampering and forms an audit log that becomes the center of trust, right? And I think that is indigenous to blockchains. But then Enterprise blockchain and Hyperledger Fabric was probably the first enterprise blockchain, not the only one today, but certainly the first. We set out and we looked at like four or five additional qualities. The first is accountability. So um, prior to uh, this type of enterprise blockchain, uh, members were anonymous in, in participation. And there was good rhyme and reason uh, for that, for cryptocurrency. Um, you know, emulating the property of cash, you know, cash is a bearer instrument, um, no need necessarily to, you know, figure out um, who the person is or who the institution is. But, it, you know, so through proof of work, um, very clever, it was um, possible to gain trust in, a, in an institution that was, you know, participating in the blockchain without knowing who they are. But in an enterprise to pass you know, government regulations and uh, things like in healthcare, um, HIPAA, or in, you know, for around privacy and uh, identity GDPR, the members must be accountable. So, and, and that's where the notion of permission blockchain. So, so members are known to the network. That's number one. Number two is while they're known, um, enterprises need to operate uh, with confidentiality uh, and privacy. So looking at uh, additional capabilities around blockchain for privacy and confidentiality. I mean, hyper 
Ledger Fabric supports um, a notion. If, you, if those users out there are familiar with Slack and this notion of a ch channel where you can subdivide the ecosystem, you know, based on a particular topic. Um, so Hyperledger Fabric supports that. And that allows for more private, not everyone in the network gets broadcast the same transaction, but you can subdivide and add this level of confidentiality and privacy. That's number two. Number three is need for immense uh, performance and scalability. Enterprises have an insatiable appetite for performance. So, you know, performing and transacting at a thousand transactions per second or more is a base requirement for enterprise. Um, and the, the other one is, is finality, which means the network, once it arrives at uh, an answer, the answer can't fork. It has to stay, it has to become final. And, you know, with, you know, Ethereum and Bitcoin, there's been forks of the network. Um, you know, certainly we've worked very hard with Hyperledger Fabric to ensure that a transaction once uh, committed is final. And then last, the fifth is uh, fault tolerant security. So it, not every enterprise participating in a blockchain network is going to be the same, meaning some might have big IT budgets, some might have small IT budgets, some may have great security architects, others less or so. Um, so the network has to keep running, even in the presence of actors that might be sloppy. So if you're not running the latest patches uh, of an operating system and you have a failure in your node, you can't take the network down. It just has to keep running. So um, accountability through permissions, privacy, confidentiality, uh, performance, finality, and uh, fault tolerance security is what differentiates enterprise blockchain from all the other blockchains, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And what, what kind of, uh, because of course uh, those core uh, aspects of, of, of an enterprise blockchain also requires um, a business playbook, I guess, uh, like a different way probably of thinking about business. So, um, in, in your experience, uh, what, uh, what sort of, uh, um, like, how do you need to change mindset in terms of business when you start dealing with, with the blockchain? Yeah, Gennaro, this is a good question. And, and businesses have, you know, spent the last hundreds of years responsible for themselves. In fact, it's not that, um, you know, I talked about, um, teamwork and a group working together. You know, I like to say blockchain is a team sport. Businesses today aren't structured to work in teams. Yes, there's business to business, B2B, but um, even in a B2B transaction, you're still responsible. Like if, if you're in a B2B lending network and you're, you're depending on a third party to vet the authenticity of a particular client that you're lending money to and they turn out to be um, a bad actor and the government comes after you for lending money to a bad actor, you can't say, oops, it wasn't me, it was someone I trusted in my network. No, you're responsible. You go to jail, they don't go to jail. So how, so the big trick in the business playbook is to design business processes that um, can be, worked across a team. 
And, and that might sound uh, difficult, but again, in a B2B world, we're already working together as a team. So typically processes, I mean, I can mention like shared reference data. This is an example from financial services where companies, financial services companies, usually hire intermediaries to distribute the results, the, the, the day-end results um, of, of, a, of an exchange, right? To, to, to be able to record the reference data associated with uh, the price of stock, let's say. It's not like my reference data is better than yours. We all get the same reference data, but we all spend a lot of money in distributing reference data. So if we can just distribute it to ourselves, um, perhaps that's a more efficient way to do it and we'd save money, right? So there are certain business, or, or fraud. I mean, in, 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 a, uh, in, in a financial services situation, there's another example. Like if I get a fraudulent act, um, happen in my bank, I might want to be a good citizen and share that with some of the other banks so that same bad actor doesn't cause fraud in their banks, right? So setting up a network. Th those are win-win networks. They don't, yes, it, it involves team sharing information where, you know, where they haven't necessarily shared before or would hire intermediaries to disseminate that, adding friction. But now with blockchain, you can create a business model that is shared across companies, um, and again, initially cost savings. Um, so, so I do think the biggest one of the biggest tricks is looking at those business models. In 2019, I can go almost industry for industry and talk about the top two or three that have emerged in that industry where it's really not a debate anymore. You know, companies are collaborating on it. So that's that's you know the change to the playbook number one. Change to the playbook number two is, you know, a, a uh, I would say, a variation of that, and that's governance. So once you have a great idea that leverages the power of the group versus the individual company, how do you govern that? Like, what are the rules? You know, who are the referees that, that and, and what, is the, what is the mechanism by which you, you know, manage and operate such a network? What, what are the um, obligations? What are the rewards? Um, I think governance becomes the next big important factor in your, your playbook. And, and um, you know, I guess the other, the other thing is like any new technology, being able to dream big about what the technology could ultimately do to transform your industry. Um, you know, think about uh, some, one of the quotes from Walmart. Walmart uh, in the food industry, um, working as part of the food trust network. Um, again, not even you know the world's biggest um, food companies have complete visibility across the supply chain. It would take Walmart seven days uh, in a test they did they did to trace back uh, a, a, a packaged mango from one of their stores to the farm in which the, you know, the, the, the mango came from uh, on this blockchain network with more diverse um, organizations sharing data, they can now pinpoint, a, um, let's say a foodborne illness uh, in 2.2 seconds. That's, that's transforming. Um, the question is, is any transformative thought, what's the scope? Where do you start? 
uh, number one. So how big of a bite do you take out of the initial project? And some people in design thinking uh, call, call that your MVP. What is your minimal viable product um, that's going to take the first bold step against that big idea? The next big question in a blockchain from a business playbook perspective is, who are you going to take that step with? You know, what is your MVE? What's your minimal viable ecosystem? You know, is it, you know, doing it with one company is hardly an ecosystem. That's like an ecosystem of one. Although some companies are diverse, uh, both geographically operating across different country uh, and regulatory jurisdictions. But, um, you know, so it, one company might be too small. You know, 20 companies might be too big. You know, it may take too long to get off the ground. Although a decentralized network does bring uh, a better trust model, uh, often it is the harder place to start. Uh, so starting more centralized might be a better place to start. But the problem with centralized is um, once you may start quicker, but then how do you convince others that um, if you're joining and you're number five to join, that members one, two, three, and four don't have an unfair advantage, right? So you have to prove that out as you go forward. So all that said, um, the playbook at some levels change uh, based on the plurality of blockchain, you know, working with groups. But you don't have to take it to an extreme where you're working with um, hundreds just to get your idea off the ground. You know, you can start with a group of three or four, just enough decentralization to get, you know, your idea moving such that, you know, no, you know, everyone in your, in your group has control, but no one is exclusively in control. So I think that's the balance in the new blockchain-based business models that uh, we see. Yeah. Thanks, Jerry. It was a very, very interesting. Actually, uh, as as you were uh, talking, uh, I, I was thinking probably one of uh, the, the 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 most revolutionary uh, thing from from the business standpoint is also the fact that we go behind the the the, the corporation because I mean with with the blockchain, uh, as we said, the the whole thing is about creating an ecosystem of companies which might look like um, you know which might uh, seem to look like a, a platform business model, but in a, in a platform business model. We still have a, a company, we, we think a case of, uh, of Google, Amazon, Facebook. I mean, those companies still centralize most of the profits, still have control over the platform, still are the ones which are really, uh, um, you know, uh, manage the interactions on those on those platforms. I mean, those are the ones who make the rules of the game. In, in a blockchain-based uh, business model, instead, we go behind the, the intermediary. So, um, like, it, it feels to me... Uh, like uh, we we're making the platform uh, no, uh, not relevant anymore. I mean, is this is this a fair assumption? It's a different type of platform. I think it's still a platform. I mean, when you look at these networks, they look like platforms. Uh, the better ones have well constructed APIs. You know, people people think about and and say blockchain is Web 3.0. It's the it's the web of value versus the web of information. Um, and you know, in order for, for, for web 3.0 to take, uh, take root, it needs to at least be web 2.0. So the, the better networks look like platforms, uh, that are programmable. They have APIs, 
They, and in fact, a really good platform uh, based on blockchain doesn't ever even say the word blockchain. I mean, it's just a valuable network. Um, and um, it, you talk about what the, um, again, the obligations and rewards are for joining the network. And, you know, the fact that it was built with blockchain, you know, I think that is an interesting conversation over dinner. But when you're, you know, uh, sharing the value of it, you know, it may or may not even have to come up. So it does, it could very much look like, uh, a block, but the economics are different. The economics are different from today's um, more single company centered, um, you know, uh, pl uh, platform business models. So I think that that is, it. it's not to say that single companies for different types of networks aren't going to benefit. Um, but, but I do think this really favors the ecosystem. And um, I, I do think, um, again, we'll see and, and are seeing, you know, uh, a new style of platform that looks, you know, from a programmability perspective, like what we saw at Web 2.0 platforms. But I think at the uh, economics is more, you know, balanced around a consortium or a group um, versus an individual company. Yeah, interesting. So it, it, it feels like uh, really the, 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 the blockchain makes it possible to, to uh, evolve a platform, uh, you know, a business model where um, you, you have a more uh, distributed probably uh, control. Uh, and again, as, as uh, in, a, in a graph where we have nodes which are uh, more, which are, uh, have more importance within, within uh, the, the, the network, we can imagine the same might happen with the, with the blockchain based uh, model. And you spoke about uh, a minimum uh, viable uh, ecosystem, and I think it's uh, it's a very important uh, concept in the context of blockchain, because I guess as uh, as with the blockchain, you need to build an ecosystem. As you said, it doesn't have to be something big. I mean, we can start with a few key players, but still, uh, it might become an ecosystem. How do you actually, uh, you know, uh, understand uh, what parameters, what things you need to build a minimum viable uh, ecosystem? Um, and, and just give you an example, maybe it's easiest. Don't the, the best ecosystems are the ones that are already there and your best partners are the ones that you already have. I mean, I, IBM as a company has about, um, as a buyer of services, IBM has about 20,000 suppliers and that's not unusual. I mean, I'm sure if you look at companies, they're probably companies that have 100,000 suppliers. Um, but neighboring companies like us most likely have the same, um, their buyers for similar suppliers. And, you know, so, you know, our chief procurement officer, um, you know, knows many of the other chief procurement officers and companies that, that we do business with. So, you know, as a real story, you know, our chief procurement officer is now working with, I'd say about, you know, a, a dozen other chief procurement officers and company companies like IBM to create a blockchain network to um, help the, the buyer supplier relationship. Right. So, you know, that was a group of people 
starting initially with three companies, IBM and two others, uh, with a business partner. Uh, and we had those relationships. I mean, they were there. We had common uh, pain that we felt and, and inefficiencies of, of modern day processes. Um, once our CF, our chief procurement officer figured out that and asked us to prove that blockchain could uh, address some of these inefficiencies, uh, they were off to the races with three. But again, they, they, so I would always recommend starting less, more centralized and decentralized. I also think even when I've been in rooms with um, a dozen banks looking to join a consortium, and while that looks decentralized, the fact of the matter, in any groups surrounding, you're going to get the group leaders emerge right away, and there'll be about two or three. So in the end, you typically start with two or three, whether it's just two or three, or two or three in a group of 12. Um, it's just natural group behavior that, you know, um, it will start that way. So, you know, with... When you start with a smaller group, you just have to spend more, more time um, figuring out why, let's say if you start with three, why would the fourth ever join? What's their obligation? What's their reward? If you take all the rewards as the first three, come on, you wouldn't join that club. Um, so why would they join the club? So you have to keep the door open um, and that has to be factored in if you start more uh, decentral. If you start more centralized, if you start more decentralized, then you have to figure out how you ever get to your MVP. Because there's you're gonna, you know, if more than the three people that I mentioned who are usually vocal or vocal, um, if you have to answer to twelve lawyers, it's going to take you a very long time to get to your MVP completion. So, again, we see companies successfully starting with, you know, small MVPs big MVPs, bigger, sorry, MVEs. Um, but the bigger MVEs usually are um, run by only a few people who have strong opinions. So in, in the end, you're always typically working and starting a group um, with a small group and building from there. So again, your, 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 Results will vary based on the industry and based on the actual uh, use case, but that's that's my experience. Yep, thanks for for clarifying that. And uh, I think you know one one of the key elements and value proposition of a blockchain, of course, is uh, is a trust uh, decentralization. Now, uh, how does a blockchain inject trust in a, in a business model? Um, I mean, yeah. yeah. So so it 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 stems. So trust, you, you can say, um, Jerry, why should I trust you? And I can give you a list of things I've done in my life that make me trustworthy. And you can step back and consider those things to see whether that truly makes me a trustworthy person or not. Uh, you know, again, you can look at my reputation and all of this kind of stuff, talk to other people, and you might get a good view. Um, in, in blockchain, it's mathematical, it's algorithmic. Um, so you don't have to quote unquote, trust someone because of their reputation. You trust someone because 
it is very hard to tamper with the data. <laughs> so, you know, again, so it, it stems from the actual technology that trust emanates and grows from the tech technology. It's enforced through it. So very, very simple. You know, a, a database has a single administrator. I mean, it, it wouldn't be right to compare blockchain completely to a database, but it, it's easier to reason this way. But, you know, a, a blockchain has multiple administrators, you know, multiple businesses, um, each with a copy of the ledger, each getting to weigh in on the consensus process, each getting a copy of the ledger once they consent on a transaction. And, you know, unlike a database that has commands like update and delete, a blockchain is append only, right? And once that block is appended, it's cryptographically linked um, to the previous block, uh, creating a chain that is very hard to tamper with, you know, and, and that audit log becomes the foundation of trust. It's not something about necessarily about reputation. It's about that algorithm and that ledger um, where when the data is in it and we all consented, there it is. And we can sleep at night knowing that, um, that it, it, it was what we, that no single company went in and altered and doctored the data. Um, so the business trust is anchored in that, that algorithmic um, computational trust that is built, right? So it, it transcends from being a hard to manage or hard to quantify reputational thought into a highly quantifiable, algorithmic, provable thought, right? So that's, and you know, and whether a business understands it or not um, is, an, is another story. But it does anchor that trust between businesses in a way that was very difficult to do before this, this technology. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one, one interesting aspect as well is, uh, you know, if you think about the, the, the digital world so far, uh, I, I think uh, people are more uh, prone to, to take risks because uh, it feels like you're doing something like, you know, the whole the uh, lean startup uh, methodology based on, you know, tests and uh, uh, experiments and stuff and failure. Um, I think part of it is also due to the fact that in a, in a digital world, you can do things and then you can go back. In a, in a blockchain-based uh, world, of course, you, you can probably override uh, blocks. I mean, not override, but you can, you know, write blocks after the others. But I guess something when it gets written in the, in the blockchain is, is immutable, which probably should, uh, I don't know, I, I'm just thinking out loud, but it should uh, give uh, probably people a more responsibility in what they're uh, going to do because it's something that uh, is going gonna to be there forever. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure if right. that makes sense, but... It does. No, no, it, 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 it actually does make sense. And I think that is the, the very um, basic... Uh, element of, of how trust is, is formed. Right. Yeah. So in, in just would like to touch a uh, last uh, concept and then of course uh, I'll let you go because uh, you know, I, I would uh, love to speak with you for, for a very long time, but I understand that, you know, we, we need to keep the format uh, long enough for people to listen, but short enough for people not to get uh, bored. So um, 
what is a distance economy? Because you, 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 you talk about, about that in the, in the book. I think it's a very interesting concept because I think it's at the, the foundation of uh, how the blockchain is going to uh, change also mindset for, for, uh, at, at macro level. Uh, what's that? Why, why is it so important? Uh, I'm sorry, can you repeat that question again? Yeah, the, the, the Eastern's uh, economy. What is that? Uh, why, uh, why it matters? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Janari. Every time you, you, you talk, I miss, I miss that last point. Yeah, the it's the, yeah, the, the, the instance uh, economy. Uh, yeah. yeah, so pretty much, you know, based on the fact that you, you can have uh, like the, the, the fra- a fraction of, uh, of, uh, of a business uh, or, you know, a more distributed uh, probably uh, ownership uh, compared to, to before. I, I think, I'm not, I'm not sure, I think in the book it's, uh, probably mentioned as a instance economy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No. No. I, I. I think that that is that is a key aspect in 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 in, in the whole economical approach um, of of blockchain. And I think it's you know, and, and I actually think so so much about blockchain is about a new economic, and 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 I I, I think. You know, uh, game economics actually play. In fact, when you think about like traditional Bitcoin, there's a very interesting economic there. Like you give something in the form of energy and you get a piece of a token back. And, you know, I I think around instant economics and also how tokenization and uh, plays in, I think is a very interesting concept. And we go over that in the book uh, quite a bit. Um, and and I, I do think there is a role for enterprise enterprise blockchain for tokens and for thinking about your business um, in in that form. I mean, digital assets are key to you know any kind of digital transformation. The problem is is that for you know for five digital applications today their assets are represented five completely different ways. So with a token, you have a chance of reasoning about a digital asset across applications. I think something that uh, Marley Gray from Microsoft is driving at the Token Taxonomy Initiative, which is one of the enterprise Ethereum functions that IBM is participating in, um, trying to help this economic effect really take root through standardization. So the TTI um, is an initiative to try to um, classify and create a taxonomy around tokens that could be applied to any technology, whether it's you know, Hyperledger Fabric or Ethereum or uh, you know, anything in between to help kind of liberate the digital assets that are in these applications. And of course, blockchain is ripe for this, but even in blockchain, um, there, the, the ability right now, if you have 10 networks, um, you kind of have a Tower of Babel effect going on. And there's no way for, easy way for one network to reason with another network. So I say reason, I mean like be able to transact, exchange uh, between them. And I think, you know, this thinking about the economics uh, around this um, and then thinking about how to uh, quantify the economics in something, and I think tokenization comes to mind, 
around that are key things to, to do. It's, again, a good blockchain idea. The best blockchain idea start as a business idea. And from that, really, um, the fun begins. And, you know, I think blockchain doesn't change the art of business. Um, it just, um, I would say, restructures it a bit around the group. And the interesting thing is that, um, you know, we, we always heard about teamwork and we, we all know teamwork pro provides the best result. I, th I just think in business, it's been hard to uh, enforce that. And I think with blockchain technology, it's the perfect, you know, peanut butter and chocolate, you know, perfect combination of good things uh, coming together to form a new outcome. Because I think, you know, businesses do work together in B2B networks, but um, you can't be responsible for others' actions. But in blockchain, you can, the network can be a responsible entity. And I do think that allow, expands an economic that, um, that is pretty cool. Yeah, thank you, Jerry. It was a very interesting conversation and, uh, you know, it was really a pleasure to have you. And for anyone listening, uh, the Blockchain for Business, uh, the book is a really incredible read to understand, uh, you know, what, what's happening right now with, with, uh, with the blockchain and how it's evolving. And, you know, really it was a pleasure. Thank you for joining us, uh, Jerry. Okay, thank you, Gennaro. Talk to you thank soon. You. Bye. Appreciate it. Bye-bye.